0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. My name is Brooke, pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi guys, and welcome back. I want to delve deeper into getting diagnosed, how you get diagnosed, what to expect, and how to go from there. So, if you're interested in those tips... Stick around. Okay, so I want to approach the idea of being diagnosed with Turner Syndrome in two different ways. There are two very different experiences with being diagnosed that you can have depending on what age you're being diagnosed at. There's a very wide range of ages that a girl or a woman with Turner Syndrome is diagnosed and it can really change your experience of it. Um, It also can either make it more confusing or less confusing or just have a whole range of emotions tied to it either way and I want to start by sharing my story of being diagnosed a little bit and then move into prenatal so while mom is still pregnant diagnosing diagnostics being diagnosed prenatally prenatal diagnosis that and postnatal diagnosis where you're being diagnosed After birth and as a child or an adult Because both of those scenarios are possible and then there's a whole lot of Intricate detail to both as well Okay, so my story really quickly I was diagnosed prenatally my mom was still pregnant with me They found out I had Turner syndrome after the 20-week anatomy scan showed fluid in my chest cavity and in the back of my neck and that was the red flag for me that made them look closer. At first they thought I had spina bifida, went to a specialist and I didn't at all and then That led them to knowing it was something genetic and doing genetic testing through what's called an amniocentesis. I'll talk about that more in a second. Um, So they got the amniocentesis results back. It was very clear I have Turner syndrome. And then they said it was most likely and it looked to them like I had classic Turner syndrome. And just a brief explanation of that. There's two main variations of Turner syndrome a whole lot of possibilities but two main ones and typically two main ones you're going to be classified into to kind of help you understand your case and your diagnosis so back up and define Turner syndrome a little bit Turner syndrome is a genetic condition that affects girls that is in two different forms Categorically one is called classic Turner syndrome, which is what I have Um, it is where as You know girls have two X chromosomes one X chromosome is completely missing and Every cell impacted is affected in that way So then you go into mosaic Turner syndrome, which is the other main categorization for Turner syndrome and that is where the two X chromosomes have the second X chromosome damaged. It's there, it's present in some way, but it's damaged. And that impacts in that way every cell that is impacted. So there's a whole lot of nuance to this. There's a whole lot of details. If you or your child are just being diagnosed with this, I would highly recommend you not stop your research here don't overwhelm yourself by any means but don't stop your research here don't stop asking questions don't stop looking for answers and I'll explain a little bit more what I mean further on in the video so just so you have that understanding I have a ton of other videos that I've done about what Turner syndrome is and defining it and all of that. I will link a playlist that you can go watch of that whole topic because it can be a really big topic and that I go into much more detail in that. So I recommend checking those videos out if you want more on that. Okay, now going to me being diagnosed. I had Classic when they tested the amniotic fluid around me during the amniocentesis which is what an amniocentesis is and then after I was born I started seeing an endocrinologist which is a specialist that specializes in hormones and hormone conditions so uh, Turner Syndrome girls automatically are put under endocrinology as far as the specialist they need to see. Um, but endocrinologists also can see patients with thyroid issues, diabetes, any range of impact hormones can have and any hormone impacted condition. Is that? I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but I think you get what I mean. They deal with hormones. So (laughs) for us, having a hormone deficiency, that's the specialist we see the most. Again, very nuanced. I'm not going into great detail of that in this video. I will link other videos where I've talked about it. But I saw an endocrinologist and they did the blood testing after I was born to confirm basically everything that the amniocentesis told us. Through the blood work, they did a karyotype where it was confirmed that yes, I did indeed have Turner syndrome and I was classic Turner syndrome. And that was good to have that information confirmed and we moved forward from there so now i want to talk about what to expect with prenatal diagnosis what might red flag for you what can come up and what different things you might expect through the process and kind of where to go from there um and then we'll talk postnatal so prenatal you're gonna have things red flag during those ultrasounds they're, they're going to see something strange on the image. They're, they're going to have something like that red flag for you. For me, it was the fluid. Fluid is called um, cystic hygroma or hydrops is what it's called when there's fluid retention, basically. The way I explain it is your lymphatic system does not hook up for lack of a better... Explanation and start doing its job of dispersing the fluid in your body when it should and through that fluid ends up collecting in Different areas that become dangerous Um, And until your lymphatic system starts working That fluid sits there. Um for some girls. It may never start doing its job for others it may have a different timeline for when it starts doing its job, but That's from my understanding where that comes from and that is a lot of what red flags prenatally for girls with Turner syndrome is fluid. My fluid was in my chest cavity surrounding vital organs and that was a huge red flag for them. They were very, very worried. Um, They did not think because of the fluid, my lungs would be able to develop, my heart would be able to develop. It's a very dangerous location to have fluid collect and sit. So that mixed with the fluid behind my neck is what red flagged for them. You can also have things happen like they can notice a heart issue because heart issues are a common problem with Turner's girls. They can also have um, liver issues or mouth-shaped kidneys, malformed kidneys. It's called horseshoe kidney is the most common. Um, And they can see any number of those or other things that kind of red flag that something's wrong. And when that happens, they go into further testing to find out what it is. Um, For me, they sent my mom to a brain specialist first because because of the fluid behind my neck, they thought I might have spina bifida. So the brain specialist looked first to confirm that. When he said, no, it's not spina bifida, they sent me and my mom to have an amniocentesis, which like I mentioned before, is testing the amniotic fluid that's around the baby to do a genetic test. This test is used for a lot of different genetic conditions the fluid collecting but not being spina bifida is what led them to it's got to be something genetic then and the other common condition that this test is used to diagnose is Down syndrome but there's a whole range of genetic conditions that this test will tell you so It is kind of just the base genetic testing that you go to when you think it's something genetic. And from the amniocentesis, they can confirm a diagnosis. For mine, it was Turner syndrome and classic. That'll give you those answers. That'll kind of confirm for you whether it's Turner syndrome or not, whether it is for sure something genetic or not. Um, And you can go from there. (laughs) That is not the end of getting information though prenatal diagnosis kind of starts from there, because after they confirm the diagnosis, they then have to do further testing. They wanna do further ultrasounds to look more detailed at your daughter's specific case. So they're gonna wanna do ultrasounds to see how her organs are forming. They're going to want to make sure of all of the other scary things that can happen, because they wanna know where she's at with everything is the fluid the only concern what other concerns might we be able to find um that we need to pay attention to so you do have further testing after that but that's what gives you the diagnosis and it's a whole lot of information to get and there's a whole lot google can tell you that is scary it is a very scary diagnosis it's a very scary thing to try to wrap your head around especially because it's not very well known we talk about the one percent and two percent statistics every two percent of pregnancies that occur are a case of turner syndrome one percent of pregnancies that occur with turner syndrome end in a live birth there is serious serious concern here and there is a reality of major health impacts. However, I don't want that to scare you before you look at the rest of the details. My only concern in my case was fluid. Now fluid is dangerous, it was very scary, and they gave me a less than 1% chance of living. However, that wasn't the end of the story because my lymphatic system started doing its job, just delayed, and the fluid, dispersed to where it should be and I was okay. I'm okay. And so not every case is as simple as the information on Google and the statistics can tell you. The statistics are not where we need them to be. We don't have enough information behind those statistics to make general rules of thumb or anywhere near an accurate Prediction of what's going to happen and because of that I don't want that to be the end of your research yes you want to understand what's going on and Google is a source of information that can make it really easy to try to understand but you can also really overwhelm yourself and be looking at information that is not pertinent to your daughter's case if you get that diagnosis push for those testing I'm sure doctors will be doing those tests either way. But if they aren't, or if there's something more you're wanting, do not be scared to ask for it and ask any questions you have to better understand your daughter's case. And this is my biggest advice to you as the parent is to become a student of your daughter's case not a student of Turner syndrome, not a student of what Google can tell you, but a student of your daughter's case. Know her test results, know her impacts and how she herself is affected because it manifests itself in a huge variety of ways. And until you know what ways she's impacted, you won't understand her case and what this means for her. So I want I I want that to be encouraging and helpful, and I hope it is. I would apply the same thing to the next subject, which is when you are diagnosed as a child or an adult after birth, postnatal. There's gonna be different things that red flag depending on the age you're at. For a child, it could be what can be labeled as failure to thrive. Um, when they're not developing correctly, when they're not growing at the right rate, um, things like that can red flag. Short stature is (laughs) one of the most common things with Turner syndrome. So when they're not growing at the correct rate they would be expected to grow at, that's one of the biggest red flags for Turners and girls is growth rate. There's a whole lot of other things too And there's a whole lot of health impacts you want to watch for but as far as for what might red flag for you and cause you to look further into if they have Turner syndrome short stature is probably number one what red flags people just not growing like they should be in height Um, the other a little farther up in age is delayed puberty and not starting puberty on their own that is another really big thing. That can also be maybe when you start noticing hearing issues or other things happening in the health complications area Um, and I can kind of all paint a picture of something more is happening here and we should look into it. And delayed puberty is a huge one. Another jump forward is um, especially for girls with mosaic Turner syndrome. There is not an insignificant amount of girls with mosaic Turner syndrome that are diagnosed after experiencing infertility. So some women will grow up, get married, and try to start a family and realize they're having issues getting pregnant, and they're not sure why. And that's when they end up going to a fertility doctor and doing testing, and that can be a time that the doctor will say, hmm, there's more to this. We should do some testing. And I have heard a few cases where that is how they got diagnosed with Mosaic Turner syndrome, and that was the source of their infertility. Now, all of these situations are ones that can look very unique. There's not one way this can go, there's not one answer or one broad sweeping experience you have. Everybody's experience is going to be individual. This being a genetic condition and one that affects such a huge variety of things, you really, really are going to want to just pay attention to your case. And that's why I've said that earlier. And I said that that applies to postnatal as well. Once you have that diagnosis and you know that it's Turner syndrome, that's when you want to shift into really becoming a student of you or your daughter's case and knowing what is going on for you what specific unique personal ways are you or your daughter going to be affected and what do you need to pay attention to because again Google's going to tell you a whole lot of things not all of those are going to be true for you and i've done videos talking about the list that webmd and google gives you I can link those also. It is very interesting to look at, but I am a major advocate for being careful with using Google too much and being discerning with how to use Google. So that is when you once again are shifting over into knowing your case after you get a diagnosis. And in those ages, when you are getting diagnosed as a child, Or an adult they are going to jump straight to that genetic testing through blood work they're gonna do blood work and they're gonna create a karyotype is what it's called and that lets them look at the chromosomal makeup for you and tell you yes it's Turner syndrome and it's classic or mosaic or some other unique variation and that is when you will have your official diagnosis and you'll know for sure what your situation is. That karyotype is really important because it gives you more than just, yes, it's Turner Syndrome. And that's really helpful. A huge variation in experiences can be expected based off of what your karyotype is. And there's still no way to predict it, but you can kind of get a feel for it. Classic is typically considered the more severe as far as symptoms go. Mosaic is typically considered the less severe as far as symptoms go. That is by no means a rule of thumb or anything that I say is absolute, but that is textbook what you're going to be thinking and that also tells you where to pay attention to for your impact as far as potential medical things down the road. So that is how you get diagnosed is that karyotype. Once you have that confirmation, you would also then shift into doing more of that testing to confirm your case and how you're impacted. And after that, it's kind of just a matter of letting yourself process and adjust to all of the information you got. In both scenarios, you're getting a ton of information thrown at you. You all of a sudden have this genetic condition that you weren't even aware existed most commonly before this, and now you have to learn how to deal with it and what it means for you. And then the doctors are telling you that all of these things are possible. It it's such an overwhelming time, and I want to encourage you. Whether you're the parent or the person with Turner syndrome being diagnosed, take however long you need to process. Take however long you need to process and adjust and let yourself go through the emotional ride of learning what this means for you and adjusting to that diagnosis and how life will look like. Ask a million and one questions anything that comes to your head, any good doctor will not be scared of your questions and will want to answer them for you and will want you to ask so they can know they've done their best for you in helping you understand. And that is all you can expect from yourself. And I think taking in things as slowly or as quickly, at whatever pace you feel is right for you, is also important to give yourself that ability to do that and not worry whether it's on par with what anybody else wants you to be at. Take it at whatever pace you need to and make sure you are checking in with yourself emotionally. I know that was a lot. I have a ton of other videos where I've delved into a lot of these topics in-depthly more on an individual basis that I will link a whole playlist of. I just wanted to put this out to specifically more in detail look at diagnostics and being diagnosed with Turner syndrome. I think it's important to talk about this because it's the first experience with Turner syndrome that you have, right? Like it's your first moment of realizing you have it And having to figure it out and it's it's such a unique experience getting that diagnosis and I don't think there's a ton of information out there for what to expect as you are going through this or what you can expect moving forward so I I wanted to put this out there for that reason and I hope this was helpful thank you so much for listening to this episode of coffee and turner syndrome if you would like to support the podcast i do have listener support set up on anchor and if you'd like to leave me a voice message i would love to hear from you don't forget you can find the video version of this podcast on my youtube channel at youtube.com slash tv make sure you're subscribed so you see you when the next one comes out and i will see you guys in the next episode